Welcome back, everybody. Sorry for being late this week. Had a crazy week trying to roll out here in a couple hours to go elk hunting. Busy week at work, busy week in the fight world. So we're going to get into it. I want to start off this week by recapping the fights from last weekend. And then we will dive into some current events as well as the much anticipated bad motherfucker belt going down Madison Square Garden this Saturday night. So let's get into it. Till I give my money right oh, I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven When I awoke I spent that on a necklace oh, I told God I'll be back in a second Man it's so hard not to act reckless To whom much is given much is tested Get arrested guess until he get the message Alright Crazy crazy weekend ahead of us So uh, we got a lot to talk about This is Parker Keene's MMA show episode number 11 coming in hot so um, to kick off the show I want to just touch on the Bellator fights last weekend obviously we had a pretty big fight with uh, Rory and Douglas Lima uh, so we'll dive into that and then I want to touch on you know maybe one or two other Bellator fights and then we'll talk a little bit about Damian Maya and Ben Askren and then we'll go ahead and get into this week's card so um, to kick off the bat, we had last Saturday night, we had a Bellator card that went down. We had, um, I'm going to talk about the two main fights, Paul Daly taking on Sada Wad. Um, pretty good fight overall. <clears throat> it was back and forth for the first, you know, two rounds or so. Um, Paul Daly obviously has unbelievable power. He's shown that time after time. Um, Awad was kind of calling him in, you know, throughout the first round, kind of taunting him, trying to make him get into a brawl it looked like um and then i mean they kind of go back and forth for the first round and then early it was about midway actually through the second round um paul daly just catches him with a fucking bomb he hit him with a low right and then just a heavy heavy left a low right kick and then a heavy right left-handed bomb so uh put him down you know, and then had some nasty ground and pounds. Kevin McDonald, the referee, did a great job on the stoppage. Uh, clean stoppage. You know, no complaints there. Um, <clears throat> for Paul Daly, this was his 42nd fight. I mean, this guy has just been around forever, just knocking dudes out. This was his 32nd knockout. Um, <clears throat> for the Sada Wad guy, I mean, it was a tough fight. You know, he, he gave... Paul Daly, everything he could handle for the first two rounds, and then he just got hit with that missile. So um, that's the danger you face when you're fighting Paul Daly. Obviously, a lot of people have have came to realize that over the years. Um, he got on the mic afterwards, said he wants to fight in London next. You know, he's got three or four fights left. Um, yeah, so good for Paul Daly. Um, Rory versus Douglas Lima. This was kind of a weird fight. This was a rematch we talked about last week from uh, back to 2018. They had a really close fight that Rory, you know, kind of pulled away at the very end. Um, this fight was all Douglas Lima. It just, you know, I, I, as I was watching it, it was close to start. You had, you know, Douglas Lima, Rory, they kind of went back and forth for the first couple couple rounds and it was pretty close and then once Douglas Lima was able to just completely neutralize the takedown attempts of Rory McDonald 
Um, he was just landing the better shots. He looked like he was one step ahead the whole time. Um, yeah, so it <clears throat> Douglas wins a unanimous decision, which this is pretty much the way I scored it. I hit it four to one, Douglas. Um, yeah, Rory just wasn't able to get a lot going. Um, you know, I, I think he had too slow of a start when he was kind of pushing the pace a little bit in the later rounds. He looked a lot better. But, um, you know, huge win for Douglas Lima. You know, he got, got that rematch back. Um, he's now a three-time Bellator champ. And, you know, I, I would go as far to say as he's a top five welterweight fighter in the world. He's just, he's gotten so much better, you know, over the last, you know, five to six years. It just seems every fight he's getting better and better and better. And he really doesn't have any holes in his game. He's just as well-rounded as it comes. He's good everywhere. So, yeah, Douglas Lima, man, he's a he's going to be a tough fight for anyone. I don't, I don't care, Bellator, UFC, whatever. Um, so, great for Douglas Lima. He becomes a champion again, wins the $1 million, and gets that rematch back against Rory. Um, if I had to guess, I think these guys will fight again. They'll definitely fight a trilogy fight. Um, they're just kind of clear-cut the best fighters in that welterweight division over at Bellator. So I know Rory's contract was coming up. Um, if I had to say, I, I think he, he'll go ahead and probably re-sign in Bellator. Um, you know, I think he's getting a little older. He's He seemed to lost a little bit mentally to me. His, his physical skills, I mean, still look world-class, top-notch, but I think those wars with Robbie Lawler really took a lot out of him. I mean, those, those two fights, I mean, took him to the brink and he took a lot of damage in those fights. And it's just something, I mean, once you go through a fight like that, you're never the same. And, you know, the last couple of fights, we've definitely seen a different Rory. He doesn't have that just killer instinct like he did before. Um, like I said, technically he's still incredible, probably, you know, top five or six fighters in the world at welterweight, but he just doesn't look like he has that savage in him like he used to. And that, that was the Rory that everyone <clears throat> grew to love, you know, when he was young coming up in the UFC. And, you know, I, I think some of that's just gone away. So it'll be interesting to see what's next for Rory. Um, for Douglas Lima, there was, you know, all week there was conversation where he fits in you know, the top five at welterweight. Um, I mean, if you look at the UFC, the top five is very, very wrestle heavy. Um, yeah, I mean, Rory's got phenomenal takedowns. You were able to kind of see what Douglas was able to do to him. But I mean, if you look at Kamaru Usman, <clears throat> Colby Covington, Tyron Woodley, Leon Edwards, Masvidal. Yeah. I think Douglas Lima could pop right in there and have a con very competitive fight with any of those guys. So, um, yeah, good for Douglas Lima. Once again, he gets a million dollars, um, gets his win back against Rory. Um, yeah, so Douglas Lima, he'll defend that He'll defend that title, you know. Um, I imagine one or two times, and then they'll make the rematch with Rory, if Rory can put a couple wins together. So, um, not as good of a fight as their last fight. Obviously, their, their last fight was phenomenal. It was a five-round just battle. Um, this was a little more one-sided. Just Douglas just kind of dominated everywhere, had answers for Rory everywhere. Um, so, yeah, good card over there in Bellator. Um, 
Okay, <clears throat> the UFC was in Singapore this weekend. And in the main event, we had um, Damian Maya taking on Ben Askren. Um, this was a, kind of a weird fight. I think everyone anticipated it would be just this super dramatic back and forth, you know, ground battle. You've got Ben Askren, who's a world-class wrestler, grappler. And then Damian Maya is one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners ever. So um, we got a little bit of that, and when it got to the ground, it was, you know, very interesting. The scrambles were crazy. They were trading positions back and forth, um, you know. But it really ended up being more of a striking battle, which is something when when you have two specialty guys that are just like crazy good at one thing. Sometimes those things cancel each other out, and then you just get a striking match. So. Um, you know, for Ben Askren, I mean, it, it's been a sh- you know hard road for him. He's made a lot of noise in the UFC. He's talked a lot of shit. Um, you know, he he did really good numbers on all of his fights. Obviously, he he made some really good highlights. Some good, some bad. So he starts his UFC career with that kind of controversial win, submission win against Robbie Lawler. Um, you know, where a lot of people didn't think Robbie was out, you know, basically Robbie beat his ass, slammed him on his head and rocked him and beat his ass for half the round. And then Ben was able to, to withstand it and, um, caught him in a bulldog choke and choked him out and won the fight. Um, so after that, you know, the UFC was kind of got on the Ben Askren train a little bit and they started helping him, you know build his star a little bit. He's really great on the mic. So anytime there's a press conference or interview or anything, or, you know, he, he's on aerial show every Monday, he's just, he's a entertainer and he's, you know, I think he's great for the sport. And then UFC 239 comes around. He has all this crazy heat with George Masvidal and he gets knocked out in five seconds, which I mean, will be played on every highlight forever with that crazy flying knee and it set the record for the fastest knockout in UFC history um but he took that on the chin you know he took that loss about as good as you can take it and comes back three months later and has this headlining fight in Singapore against Damian Maya so um yeah I mean no shame on Ben Askren he he gave it a whirl you know he he was the guy that was kind of kept out of the UFC during the prime years of his career and he gets here he's how old's Ben Askren 35 let me see yeah I mean he gets here at 35 years old undefeated and he's thrown you know to the wolves basically at at welterweight so um for Ben Askren you know I've heard a lot of talk going back and forth this week about you know should he retire who got the better of the trade between one FC and the UFC? And to me, it's uh, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it's a win-win for for both sides. But the UFC got way more buzz from Ben Askren than they would from Mighty Mouse Johnson. Um, you know, Ben Askren made George Masvidal into a superstar. If George Masvidal gets a win this weekend, I mean, he's going to be one of the biggest stars in the UFC. So. For the UFC, it was a win-win, I think, to bring Ben Askren in and roll the dice and get him in there and mix it up with some guys. And um, 
Yeah, it was great. So if he decides to retire, good for him. You know, he was one of the best specialized, you know, UFC grapplers of all time. He was dominant, you know, everywhere outside the UFC. And then in the UFC, you know, he beat Robbie Lawler, who's one of the you know scariest guys at, at welterweight ever. Um, he got knocked out in five seconds by George Masvidal. But, I mean, what, what would have happened if George Masvidal missed that flying knee and Ben Askren takes him down and holds him down for a whole round? So, you never know. And then his fight with Damian Maia was close. I mean, it was back and forth, back and forth. Um, you know, very competitive. Uh, this is actually probably the best striking performance that I've ever seen from Ben Askren. Um, but, I mean, he got cemented by the guy with the second most wins in UFC history. So, um, no shame on that. So, yeah, for Ben Askren, if he retires, great. If he wants to fight again, great. But, I mean, the road back to a championship, which is where he wants to be. You know, he was on Ariel's show saying he wants to be the best fighter in the world, period. Um, got a lot harder. I mean, he would have to put three, four wins together to get back to that spot. You know, so... Yeah, um, for Damian Maya, I mean, he's 42 years old still doing it. Um, you know, Damian Maya, he's been around forever. I, I think he's got the second most wins in UFC history behind Cowboy Cerrone. Um, really, his only three losses have came to, let me see, Kamaru Usman, who's the current champion, Colby Covington, the interim champion, and then Tyron Woodley, who was basically the the most dominant champion at, at welterweight during his run. So, and before that, I mean, Rory McDonald, Bellator champion, Jake Shields, who's been a champion at PFL and, um, you know, top fighter of kind of that era. And then Chris Weidman, champion. So, Anderson Silva, champion. Um, so, yeah, I mean, his losses are only to the best of the best and it's pretty incredible with that style that he can still you know hang around the top you know five to ten guys in the world at 42 years old and he looked physically phenomenal so there was a little bit of back and forth um this week with George Masvidal and Damian Maya basically saying if George Masvidal wins he'd like to be Damian Maya's last fight retirement fight so um, that'd be fun, but, um, alrighty. So that was last weekend's fights. Let's get into the bad motherfucker belt. Here we go. So a lot of talk this week about this inaugural bad motherfucker belt. Um, to me, the bad motherfucker belt is, <sighs> I mean, for these guys, it's two guys that kind of came up from the street. They've been, you know, George Masvidal literally started as a street fighter Nate Diaz has kind of been a lifetime martial artist. Obviously grew up in the shadows of his brother, who was a phenomenal fighter in his prime. Um, black belt at jiu-jitsu. I mean, just badass, badass fighters. Um, both of these guys have really had a similar career path over the last you know, 15 to 16 years. They became pro, and they've, they've fought the who's who's of you know, probably two, three generations of fighters in the UFC. So the point of this belt was, you know, for Nick Diaz or Nate Diaz and George Masvidal is that they're like, hey, we've been here for, you know, 
almost 15 years where all these other champions come and go, they're saying, this is a real belt. You know, this is a belt of the guys that have been here in the UFC constantly, year after year after year, taking on the toughest competition. You know, not guys that get three fights, a title fight, become the champion, hold the title, and then they're out of the UFC in three years. So, bad motherfucker belt. Um, you know, these guys are both guys that they've got some losses. You know, they really, they don't have vicious knockout losses. They have decision losses. They have, you know, controversial decisions that didn't go their way. Um, so, yeah, for me, bad motherfucker belt is basically just a fighter. It's someone that's going to bring action. They're going to fight. They're not going to wrestle. They're not going to hold position. You know, they're, they're going to bring the action. They're going to be fan favorite fighters. And that's what these guys are. So, um, yeah, so I, I made a list of people I consider bad motherfuckers kind of currently and, you know, from the last kind of generation of USC fighters. But Cowboy Cerrone, Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor in his prime on the rise. Conor McGregor would fight anyone short notice, you know, 145, 155, 170. He didn't give a shit. He would fight anyone. Um, Tony Ferguson, maybe the biggest badass of all time. If you go into a fight with Tony Ferguson, you're coming out cut, you're coming out bruised, you're coming out beaten down. He's going to take your soul. Tony Ferguson is a fucking animal. So he might be top of the bad motherfucker brackets. Uh, Mike Perry. Mike Perry, currently a welterweight fighter, just brings the action every single time. He goes in there to brawl, you know, three round, five round, whatever. Mike Perry's a bad motherfucker. Robbie Lawler. One of the OG bad motherfuckers. Ruthless Robbie Lawler. He's coming in there to brawl. He's coming in there to put you away. Uh, Nick Diaz. Nate's older brother. Nick Diaz in his prime was one of the baddest motherfuckers ever. He would just... His pressure, his volume. He, similar to Tony Ferguson. He has just crazy pressure. He's going to hit you. You know, just hit you with combos, combos, combos. And hit you with a heavy shot. Put you down. His jiu-jitsu phenomenal. Um... So Nick Diaz, you know, he'll fight you anywhere, in the streets, in the octagon, wherever. Um, Okay, guys that actually went to war, I have always considered these guys bad motherfuckers. Brian Stan, um, Tim Kennedy, those two guys, I always like watching them fight. Obviously, they're war heroes, uh, bad motherfuckers in my books. Um, From kind of the past generation, Chuck Liddell, Michael Bisbing, Jeremy Stevens, Clay Guida, and Diego Sanchez. Um, those are just guys off the top of my top of my head, but those are some bad motherfuckers right there. So that that's what that means to me. Um, yeah, basically, you come to fight, you cause to cu- come to just cause damage. You want to end fights. That's a bad motherfucker. So, all right. So the in- inaugural bad motherfucker belt. Going down in Madison Square Garden. It's going to be the 500th event for the UFC. That's crazy. Um, So 500th event for the UFC. Um, Everything about this fight I love. From the poster to the press conference to the, you know, they're making their own belt. They're having the rock put the belt on the winner. It's, It's just, I mean, this is going to be a great event. So, let's fire through the card real quick. At the top, we've got George Masvidal taking on Nate Diaz. 
Um, gonna be an awesome fucking fight. Okay, Kelvin Gastelum returning from his war against Izzy Adesanya, taking on Darren Till, who's coming off of two losses and moving up to middleweight. So that that's a fight I've got my eyes on. That'll be very interesting. Um, Steven Thompson taking on Vicente Luque. We talked about this last week, but Vicente Luque is coming off that fight with Mike Perry where he, where he shattered Mike Perry's nose. Um, this is a big test for him. This is a big step up in competition. Steven Thompson, he's just kind of that guy at welterweight. If you want to get in the top five or make a run at the title, you've got to go through Steven Thompson. That's just the reality of it. Um, the Black Beast making his return at heavyweight, coming off knee surgery, I believe. Um, it's been out probably about a year, taking on Blagoy Ivanov. Um, Blagoy Ivanov's that guy that was stabbed multiple times. He was previous Bellator champion, I believe. Um, stabbed in the lungs and the heart, I think, and survived and made a comeback to fighting. So good story there. But, um, you know, he's a tough fight for the Black Beast. Obviously, heavyweight, I mean, one punch can change everything. So that'll be a very interesting fight. Um, lightweight kicking off the main card. We've got Kevin Lee taking on Gregor Gillespie. Um, Kevin Lee has obviously been struggling a little bit. He's, you know, had a couple losses at 155, moved up to 170, took a loss to RDA. And now he moves back to 155 and draws Gregor Gillespie, which is, man, that's a steep, steep mountain to climb to get a win back. Um, Gregor Gillespie is a great, great wrestler, all American wrestler. Um, you know, I think he's 13 and 0 undefeated. So that'll be very interesting. Um, talk about a couple fights here on the prelims. We've got Corey Anderson taking on Johnny Walker. So we talked about this last week. This is one I've got my eye on. Um, Corey Anderson on a three fight win streak. I believe at light heavyweight all around, you know, good, solid fighter. Um, great grappling wrestling. And then you've got Johnny Walker, who's just kind of a wild card. He's kind of a freak show, just weird guy, super athletic, 6'6", crazy knockout highlights. Um, so that'll be very interesting. But if one of those guys can go in there and just make a huge splash, I, I think, I don't know. I, I Really, they have to outdo Dominic Reyes's knockout that he had against Chris Weidman for that kind of number one contender to fight John Jones. So that'll be one I'll have my eyes on. Um Brad Tavares taking on Edmund Shabazian. I can't say his last name, but he's a fucking phenomenal fighter. Um, Edmund's undefeated, up-and-coming fighter at middleweight. Brad Tavares, kind of similar to Stephen Thompson. That's just one of those guys you have to go through if you're going to break into the top 10 or top 5. Um, so, tough fight for the young Edmund, but um, he's a super talented fighter. I'll have my eyes on that one. Um... So yeah, also on the card you got Andre Orlowski um, kicking off the prelim card on ESPN two. Um, early prelims on ESPN Fight Pass. We got Jennifer, Jennifer Maya taking on Caitlin Shakugian. Um, that's it. I mean, that could be a number one contender fight at flyweight. So keep an eye on that. All right. Um, so let's dive into this. Let's start at the main event. Um, Nate versus George. So. Yeah, Nate versus George. Um, I really don't know which way to go on this. I, I think this is just going to end up being a great fight. Um, just kind of a back and forth fight. Both guys are you know good everywhere. Um, I think George is probably the more well-rounded fighter. 
where, you know, Nate's more of a boxer and then he's awesome. You know, he's got great jujitsu, great off his back. Um, not a great wrestler. So I don't know that this is, this is going to be a super interesting fight. Um, we'll talk briefly about the Nate Diaz USADA situation. It was just kind of a weird deal. Um, you know, they, they said he popped for a trace supplement and basically told him to keep quiet until after the fight and then they'll figure it out. And that's not really how Nate Diaz rolls. He comes out with this big, you know, written screenshot on the notes of his phone saying that basically this is bullshit. I don't take, I don't cheat. I'm not a fucking cheater. UFC, USADA figure this shit out or I'm not fighting. And they did. Um, you know, the UFC, you know, after 36 hours, basically came out with a statement saying, hey, Nate Diaz is not a cheater. He's clean. You know, we'll figure out what that trace supplement is. But, um, yeah, they cleared him to fight. Um, there was a lot of kind of back and forth over, you know, is this fair? Um, is Nate getting special treatment? And the reality is, he, yeah, he is. This is a paper, huge fucking pay-per-view main event, Madison Square Garden. You're not going to pull Nate Diaz off with one week to go. I mean, yeah, yeah, he got special treatment. And, you know, that sucks for people like Sean O'Malley, Tom Lawler, you know, Josh Barnett, who've lost a year to two years of their career over some bullshit. But the reality is the UFC, I mean, they've got 600 plus fighters. Um, you know, the top guys are going to take priority. Nate Diaz is a huge star, huge pay-per-view draw. Um, is it fair? No, it's not fair. But I mean, you saw this kind of bullshit in my opinion. I think, I think it causes more issues than it's worth. Um, you know, Nate and George both came out and they said, you know, Nate Diaz is not a cheater. Everyone knows that Nate Diaz is one of the cleanest guys in the sport. Always has been, you know, him and his brother. Um, so yeah, for the UFC and USADA, the reality is, you know, it, it may look like they're just making shit up on the fly, and they kind of are. You know, the sport evolves so quickly. This is a, people have to remember, this is a new sport. I mean, it's only been around for, what, 20 years? It's not like football or basketball or, you know, soccer that have been around for 80, 100 years. This is a relatively new sport, and it's constantly changing. So, yeah, the reality is that the UFC, USADA, they make calls, you know, on the fly sometimes, and, that's just what it is. Um, but for Nate Diaz, I mean, that that's a bad motherfucker right there. Basically, put it, giving them an ultimatum saying, clear my name or I'm not fighting. Period. That's it. So, yeah, I'm glad they got... I, I knew last week they would get all that handled. You know, I, I, I didn't think that was going to, you know, get Nate off the card. Um, you know, I think Nate's sensitive to stuff like that because they fucked over his brother. You know, his brother got his career cut short basically because of some bullshit drug test, you know, and, and bullshit rules by the UFC and the, and the anti-doping people. So yeah, I'm glad they cleared all that up. That gave a little bit of controversy to the main event, but you know, they're fighting and, and that's all that matters. Um, yeah. So George Masvidal, came out and he said, you're not the bad mofo in the game. I am, but you are one of the cleanest mofos, Nate Diaz. I'll see you November 2nd. I know your name is clean. 
I don't need you you saw to tell me shit. So, yeah, it was uh, caused a little bit of drama, but it's all good. Um, they're fighting. That's all that matters. So um, my thoughts on the fight. So first of all, I mean, both of these guys obviously have had a really long career. They fought everywhere. Um, you know, Nate kind of grew up in the UFC. George fought everywhere. Bellator, Strike Force, the streets with Kimbo Slice. Um, and then has had a really nice career in the UFC. Um, for me, I mean, both of these guys kind of represent everything I love about MMA. You know, they don't take shit from anyone. They come to fight every single time. They only want to fight the best fighters. They're not coming in to take tune-up fights or bullshit fights. These guys want to be the best of the best, fight the best of the best. And that's how they've built their career. Um, you know, for, for George, he's been a, a top 10 fighter for years at both weight classes, 170, 155. He kind of took a year off, um, I think it was 2018, and then came back and just had a giant, giant uh, 2019. Obviously, he had the crazy knockout of Darren Till, who was a you know rising star that got a title shot with Tyrone Woodley and, and came up short. And then his next fight was in his backyard in London, and George goes in there, gets sat down. Uh, Darren Till sat him down in the first round. He regroups and comes back and just has a vicious knockout in the second round. So that kind of got the momentum rolling on George. And then after that, we, we've talked about it at length, but he had the probably the best knockout of all time against Ben Askren with the flying knee. He said he baptized him. So he definitely baptized him. But, um, yeah, so... So George has been on the rise. Um, he was actually offered a fight before Till. He was offered to fight Nick Diaz um, when he was making his comeback after coming off that reality show, and it fell through. So he got the Till fight. Then he got the – after that, he had the, the back and forth with Leon Edwards, a three-piece in a soda, which went viral. Um, like I said, knocked out Ben Askren. And ever since there, then he's been a huge star. Um Especially with the new ESPN era, he's one of the first guys, probably him and Israel Adesanya, um, that have become the biggest stars through the ESPN era. He's been on every talk show, you know, First Take, the Dan Levitard show, um, and he's really getting his name out there. And I, I think he's kind of becoming a fan favorite. He says all the right things. He's great on the mic. He comes to fight. Um, I've heard a lot of interviews with him, too, where he's saying, like, you know, yeah, I've got some losses in the UFC and Bellator and Strike Force, but those were decisions. You know, I can't let them go to the decision anymore. I got to take souls. I got to get in there. I got to end fights. You know, and and that's, I mean, that's a great attitude for for George. So I, I really, I, I think this fight is going to be a fucking barn burner. I, I I think this might be the fight of the year. Seriously, like no bullshit. Um, both of these guys. You know, they got a lot of hype to live up to. They got this bad motherfucker belt on the line. And they can't let themselves down. They can't let the fans down. I think they're going to come in there and they're going to go after it for five rounds. Um, you know, both of these guys are super, super hard to put away. So for Nate, I mean, Nate's, you know, been a guy kind of lived in the shadow of his brothers, of his brother growing up in the UFC. Nick Diaz was a huge superstar at the time. Um but he's, you know, he's 
always fought the best of the best. Like I said, for the last probably 15 years, um, he's, he's a guy also that when he gets this opportunity to, to talk or, you know, give out sound clips, he, he always says the right things. Um, you know, he's a big superstar. Nate Diaz has a cult like following amongst MMA fans and, you know, I, I think he's really became a big star, especially after his fights with Connor. Obviously, he was the first guy to kind of put Connor away. You know, he he took some damage from Connor in that first fight, and then he clipped him, got him to the ground, and choked him out. Um, you know, ever since then, Nate's you know, Nate's been becoming a big star. He took about three years off after that last Connor fight, and then he came back and he had a nice win against Showtime Pettis. Um, you know, but I think he's in a spot where he, he just wants big fights. He wants fun fights. He wants fights people are going to care about. He doesn't give a shit about the 170 title or fighting people like Colby Covington or Kamaru Usman, who the reality is this fight is 10 times bigger than that that title fight will be in December. Um, you know, these, these guys, these are fights that the fans want to see. A, a lot of... You know, regular fans or casual fans have no idea who Kamara Usman or Colby Covington are. George Masvidal and Nate Diaz, they're superstars. Um, you know, it's because the way they fight. I mean, they go in there, they bring action, they talk shit, they back it up. Um, but this is really just a story of two guys that have really paid their dues in the sports and they're getting rewarded. They're getting these big money fights. You know, they're both big draws, big stars. So good for both of these guys. But, um, yeah, what else do I have to say? So I guess, you know, what's on the line here? Obviously, the bad motherfucker belt. We talked about this. Um, it's going to be a huge fight. The president, Donald Trump's coming. The Rock's coming. You know, all the big celebrities are coming out. Um, for the winner, what's on the line? Um, I think if Nate gets a win and he comes out and he gets on the mic and starts talking shit and calls out Conor McGregor, I think that's Conor's going to be forced to take that fight. I think that'll overshadow the fight they're trying to set up with Gaethje or Cowboy. And yeah, I think that'll be the next fight, you know, for Nate if he gets a win. Uh, for George, I think he could go either way. You know, I, I think he cares more than Nate does about that 170 belt. So if he gets a win here, I think he'll get on the mic and call out the winner of the 170 belt. Um, or also Conor McGregor. I mean, so that that's kind of the route. You know, I think the winner of this is either going to get a shot at the 170 belt if they want it. If not, they'll get that Conor McGregor fight. And I, I think they'll... I, I think they would probably bypass, um, you know, Cowboy or Justin Gaethje unless Connor's just completely set on getting, you know, uh, air quotes, tune-up fight, which, you know, Gaethje, definitely not a tune-up fight. Cowboy is a more winnable fight. I wouldn't call it a tune-up fight, but that's probably as good as he's going to get. So, yeah, a lot on the line here. Um, my picks, I mean, for me, this is this is really, really close. Um George is going to be the bigger guy. Like I said earlier, I think he's more he's he's well more well-rounded kind of all around. Um he's got more power. But you know, I th I think Nate is just a warrior. He's you're not going to get him out of there. George is not going to knock him out. He's not going to hit him with a crazy flying knee or anything like that. Um 
so I I think you know I, I think Masvidal is going to win the early rounds probably one and two and then Nate's going to start chipping away at him and Nate just gets better and better every round he never stops bringing the pressure or the volume and I, I think that's going to eventually overwhelm George um, I don't know if George has had any five round fights um, but Nate's a guy that I mean he's got gas tanks for days days so my prediction is I think George is going to win the first couple rounds and then about round three you're going to see Nate start to take over he's going to start increasing the volume um, he's going to get him up against the cage beat him up and he's just he's going to overwhelm George I think I think we'll get Nate by split decision five round split decision but I think this is going to be fight of the year I think it's going to be a huge huge back and forth and I'm really looking forward to this like I said I think the winner of this just becomes a gigantic superstar um so bad motherfucker belt I'm going with Nate Diaz by decision uh Kelvin Gastelum versus Darren Till this is an interesting fight this is a super super risky fight for Darren Till so Darren Till is coming off two losses um you know, he was undefeated. He was on a skyrocket to being a star. And they, I think they brought him along a little too quickly. Um, he got thrown in there with Tyron Woodley and basically had nothing for Woodley. Um, I don't think he landed a strike in that fight. And then he, um, he got submitted in the second round, I believe. He got dropped and then beat up on the ground and then submitted. And then after that, he makes a comeback in his hometown and gets viciously knocked out in the second round against George Masvidal. Um, you know, Kelvin, Kelvin's just a great fighter, a great fighter overall. He's got a lot of good wins in the UFC. Um, he was on a pretty good run starting back in 2017. He knocked out Michael Bisbing. Um, that was a fight that Michael Bisbing took on like three weeks notice after getting submitted by GSP. Um, you know, so Bisbing was a former champion. Um, Jacare Souza, that was an impressive win. That was fight of the night, I believe, back in 2018. And then he had fight of the night with Israel Adesanya um, back in April. That was an absolute battle. So, um, yeah, I mean, Gastelum overall, I think, is a more skilled and better fighter. He can do more. But there's kind of a question mark with Darren Till moving up to 185. Oh, I mean, what's the extra 15 pounds going to do for his power, his cardio, everything. I mean, he was killing himself to get to 170. So I'll be really, really interested to see what happens here. And this is, I mean, bottom line, this is a must win for Darren Till, um, to take three losses in a row. I, I, I don't know where he goes from there. You know, I, he's not going back to 170. So, you know, I, I think this is kind of a must win for him. And the reality is, if he can get a win here against Gastelum, you know, he might skyrocket to the to the title to take on Izzy. Because it came out this week that Paulo Costa is going to be out till like March, March or April, I think. So, um, yeah, Darren Till's got a huge opportunity here. If he can come in and get a KO or a win against Kelvin Gastelum, um, man, that's going to be a huge deal. Um, Till was having visa issues getting over here because he had some felonies and I think some bullshit. He was stole a taxi or something in, a, in an island. Um, but I think they worked all that out and he's in New York. 
they had brought in Jared Cannonier to start cutting weight and be a backup, but I think everything's good there. So, um, looking forward to that fight. I, you know, I, I think for Darren Till, he needs to start fast and try to get a KO. He's, I think he's dropped everyone that he's fought in the UFC in the first round except Tyron Woodley. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's he's very dangerous in the first round. It'll be interesting to see what, what he looks like carrying that extra weight. I think he's going to be huge. Um, but Kevin, Kelvin Gastelum is super durable. I mean, you saw that in the Israel Adesanya fight. Um, my only question mark there is after a war like that, usually guys are not the same. So what what did that fight do to his chin? You know, and, and we'll see that. Darren Till is going to he'll test that for sure. Um, so for Darren Till, I, I think he has to start fast, um, keep it striking, you know, fight in his distance. Uh, and try to go for the knockout. Uh, for Kelvin Gastelum, you know, I think he needs to fight similar to how he tried to fight Israel Adesanya. Darren Till is nowhere near the striker that Israel is, technically. Um, and, you know, Kelvin Gastelum did pretty good against Israel. Um, you know, for him, I think he needs to try to get the fight to the ground and use his wrestling and his submissions, you know, to get Darren Till out of there. Um, the big question mark is going to be his durability. Obviously, he's always been a durable guy, but like I said, after a war like that, after you get rocked and set down so many times, I mean, that weighs on you. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how Kelvin comes out and if he takes a big hit from Darren, how does he receive it? I mean, is he going to be able to recover and stay in the fight? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so my pick here. I think Kelvin Gastelum is the better fighter overall. He's, you know, a lot, lot better rounded than Darren Till is. Um, but Darren Till's at a crossroads. I think he needs a win here or his, I mean, who knows what's going to happen next if he has a third straight loss here. So, you know, I'm going to go with Darren Till. I think this is going to be a, a really close fight. Um, I'm going to go second round knockout. Darren Till. So let's get it. Okay, next, um, Wonder Boy versus Vicente Luque. Okay, um, this is a huge test for Vicente Luque. This is a big step up in competition, and I've always I've talked about Wonder Boy, you know, kind of at length. But he's that guy. He's he's kind of the gatekeeper, the guy you have to get past at. Uh, welterweight to get into the top five. I mean, Wonder Boy is just—he's been there forever. He's phenomenal, phenomenal fighter. Um, yeah, so I mean, this is gonna be a good test. This is gonna be a striking battle. I think um, Wonder Boy is obviously—I think he's the better striker. But you know, you've got Luke, who's got huge power. You saw what he did to Mike Perry. I mean, he can—he can hurt you from a lot of places. Um, if, if Wonder Boy, I think the big question will be, you know, he got viciously knocked out by Showtime Pettis. So I think the big question is going to be, has he recovered mentally from that? You know, um, if he has, I, I still think he's a world-class fighter. Um, you know, his striking is just n next level. It's super weird. It's super unpredictable. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if Wonder Boy can fight his fight, 
you know, control the distance and he's not, he's kind of overcame that knockout of Showtime Pettis. I think he's just going to outpoint uh, Luke. I think he's going to be a step ahead of him the whole time. Um, I don't see him putting Luke away. I, I think Wonder Boy will win a three round decision here. So a uh, good fight. That should be a, you know, interesting striking battle there. Um, all right, moving on heavyweight. Ooh, this one's going to be fun. Um, Black Beast taking on Blagoy Ivanov. Um, yeah, these guys, uh, heavyweights, these guys are going to bang. You know, um, Black Beast, you've seen it in the past. At any point in the fight, he can put you away. His power is just ridiculous. You know, I've, I've seen it twice live where he's getting beat the entire fight. Late in the third round, just hits you with a hammer and puts you down. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. He's coming off a, a pretty bad knee surgery, so he's been out almost a year. Um, he will throw, you know, some crazy high kicks, just some crazy power shots. So, um, Black Beast is always super fun to watch. Um, you know, and he looks like he's in a lot better shape. So... I don't know. I, I think, you know, overall, Ivanov's a, a great fighter. You know, I I think he's going to want to do more of just a, you know, have a boxing match, try to avoid the big shots of, of the Black Beast. Um, he needs to make it kind of a nasty fight. Um, for, for Derek Lewis, like I said, I mean, he's dangerous anywhere. He's a serious, serious knockout artist. Um you know, he had been fighting, I think, the last two or three years with a torn ACL. So, um, yeah, I'd like to see what he looks like, A, with a knee that works, and B, it looks like he's about 20 pounds lighter. So we'll see what that does to his cardio and his speed and everything. Um, yeah, on this one, I mean, I think Blagoy is the overall better fighter. He's, you know, better rounded. He's a former champion at World Series of Fighting and PFL, Samba World Champion. But the Black Beast just has that it factor. Like I said, he can put you away at any point in the fight. Um, his power is next level. Um, I'm going to go with second round knockout, Black Beast. I think he's going to rock him in the second round and then get the finish. And if he's able to do that, that's super impressive because Blagoy is, I mean, he's a tough, tough customer. He was the guy that was stabbed back in 2012, I think, eight times and was in a coma for three months and then recovered and made a return to fighting. So he's just as tough as, as tough as they come. But that'll be a really fun fight at heavyweight. Um, okay, moving on. Kevin Lee taking on Gregor Gillespie. Um, this is, man, this is kind of make or break for Kevin Lee. This is similar to the Darren Till fight. Um yeah, Kevin Lee, I mean, Ben, he's, he's got a lot of talent. You know, Kevin Lee is a guy that's got a lot of potential. He's got everything. He's got the build. He's got the look. He's great on the mic. He's got the skills. But he just hasn't been able to put it all together. Um, you know, his last one, two, three, four, five fights, he had that win against Michael Chiesa, which was kind of controversial. Um, then he kind of gassed against Tony Ferguson, got submitted. This, these are all at 155. Um, TKO'd Edson Barbosa. 
in a fight where he missed weight. He really got beat up bad by Ally Aquinta. And then he got finished up at 170 um, in the fourth round by RDA. So this is, I mean, if Kevin Lee wants to stay relevant, you know, he's getting, he's, he's still young. I think he's 27. Yeah, he's 27 years old, so he's not an old guy, but um, he needs to start making a run. He made the move over to TriStar to train with GSP and Farasa Hobby. So I, I think that will be really good for him. He was, you know, kind of bouncing around. He had his, um, his head coach, Robert Foles, passed away probably two years ago. And he's kind of just been, you know, moseying around since then to different camps. But I think getting in with a solid camp, especially training with someone like GSP, because Kevin Lee, I mean, has all kind of similar skills and strength as GSP. So that'll be interesting to see what they've worked on and how far along he's came. Um, Kevin Lee's going to have a reach advantage in this. You know, he'll be the bigger guy. Uh, but Gregor Gillespie is a freak wrestler. You know, Kevin Lee's a good wrestler, but Gregor Gillespie's All-American at Edinburgh. He's phenomenal, 13-0, and has just crazy pressure. So this is a really interesting fight, and this is going to be a really tough fight for Kevin Lee. Um, yeah, so I mean, I'll, I'll be tuned into that one. That'll be really interesting. But this Gregor Gillespie guy, I've seen some of his fights, and a lot of the experts have said this this guy might be Khabib's kryptonite at 155 because his wrestling is just so next level. And he's got really good flow to his striking as well. So um, I think this is going to be a close fight early. But I think Kevin Lee will gas in the second or third round. And Gregory Gillespie will start to take over. And he'll improve to 14-0 with a decision win. Okay? And that'll skyrocket Gillespie into the top 10. Okay? Uh, Corey Anderson versus Johnny Walker. This is the main event of the prelims. Um, this is a really, this is a big fight at light heavyweight. This is, to me, if one of these guys can come in here and make a big splash, mostly Johnny Walker. You know, Corey Anderson doesn't really have the style to, you know, make a huge highlight real knockout. He's more of a wrestler and a grinder. But if Johnny Walker can come in here and knock Corey Anderson out in crazy fashion, I think he leapfrogs Dom Reyes to become, you know, the next fight for John Jones. Um, so breakdown on this fight. I mean, Corey Anderson, impressive fighter. He's put three wins in a row together at light heavyweight. He's he's just kind of an all around good fighter. He's a wrestler that kind of grinds you down and just beats you up. For Johnny Walker, Johnny Walker is just a freak. He's super athletic. He's 6'5", just freak athlete, well-rounded, will do some crazy dances and flips and shit coming into the octagon. And then his highlight reel is just silly. So um, I, I've got Johnny Walker. I, I think Johnny Walker's just too explosive. He's too unpredictable. I think he's going to catch Corey Anderson going for, you know, like a double leg or a takedown with some kind of flying knee or something. And I think he'll finish him. So I've got... Johnny Walker by first or second round KO. I think he's just too athletic for Corey Anderson. Um, Corey Anderson's best route to victory is to just make it an ugly fight. Just keep him in the clinch, keep him against the fence, try to wrestle him, try to keep him on the ground. But I, I think Johnny Johnny Walker is just, I think he's on track to be a big star. So I'm looking for a big, big knockout from, from Johnny Walker. Um... 
Brad Tavares versus Edmund Shabazian. Um, like I said earlier, Brad Tavares is a, a vet. He's been around forever. You know, super durable fighter. And this Edmund Shabazian is he's undefeated. Um, super, super talented. Some nice knockouts in the UFC. So um, this is a test for Edmund Shabazian. This is going to be probably his hardest fight so far. But I'm going to take him by second round KO to get Brad Tavares out of there. He's just super technical, super talented everywhere. So, um, yeah, look for Edmund Sabazian to get a big knockout. Um, all right, next. So that, that's the card. I'm super excited about this card. This is going to be fucking incredible. Incredible card. One of, Probably the card of the year, honestly. Um, of course, we haven't had that December 14th card yet. That's going to be a good card. But um, Donald Trump. Expected to be at UFC 244, obviously in in his home state in New York. Um, it's gonna be awesome. You know, I, I think it's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, Colby Covington, the big Trump guy, he's got this feud with George Masvidal, and then Trump's gonna come out and see Nate Diaz and Masvidal fight. I thought that was pretty funny. But um, yeah, watch out. The president's gonna be at UFC 244. That's gonna be awesome. You know, I hope he gets a good reception. I know he got booed at the baseball game, but I think MMA fans are probably going to be, you know, a little more neutral than uh, the Washington fans for the baseball. Um, so Trump is going to be there. That's going to be a big deal. Um, next, we had a little back and forth with Nate Diaz and Dustin Poirier. Dustin Poirier, or sorry, Nick Diaz and Dustin Poirier. Um, Dustin Poirier was talking shit after Nate pop for that supplement and that you know he was just out of hip surgery he was had ivs and stuff put in it was pretty funny he was just talking shit on instagram live and then uh nate diaz sorry nick diaz came back and said lol this little hoe bitch hurt his pussy again just talking shit and then he goes good vibes you be all right d um i thought this was interesting because dustin's been making hints at zufa boxing making a return at Zufa Boxing. And for some reason, I don't know why, I have in my mind that they're going to make Dustin Poirier versus Nick Diaz and Zufa Boxing. That'll be Nick Diaz's return to fighting. Um, that would be super awesome. Um, so I hope that happens. But that was kind of funny. Those two guys were talking shit last week. Um, Dwayne The Rock Johnson confirmed he'll be there to put the bad motherfucker belt on and teases a huge um, announcement to the fans in the MMA community. Don't know what that is, but that's supposed to go down today, I believe, Friday. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a big deal. Obviously, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, one of the biggest actors in the world, going to be here at this fight. Um, there's going to be a lot of celebrities. I think the buzz is just crazy for this fight. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this fight. And we'll see what his, his uh, announcement is. Okay. Um, also in the news, we had the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury. Says he could make a move to MMA soon. Um, that would be super interesting, especially at heavyweight. I think he could really actually have some good fights. Let's see. Here's his interview. After this, even more bigger than this. Even bigger than this. Yeah. We might see Tyson Fury uh, of his MMA debut this year, too. Really? Yeah. That's a, that's a different world altogether. It's different, but like I say, Tyson Fury uh, taking over. Is that through talking to Conor McGregor or anyone like that? Yeah, I've been speaking to Conor about it and he's willing to train me and uh, it's going to be good. 
how, how different does your mindset have to be to take on something like the world of MMA? Because those guys are locked in. Yeah, but I, I, I come from a long line of bare-knuckle boxing champions. Getting hurt, getting blood. You saw me last night, blood everywhere. Nothing new to me. All a part of my heritage and upbringing. So I'd love to get in there and smash someone up. And what's Connor said to you about it? He just said, anytime you're ready, when you get the time, let's go. Come over to Dublin and we'll start training. So can't wait. Got to take him up on the offer. Have I got to get He's get announced out. he's coming out of retirement as well soon. Will you yeah. be over there for that who, who knows? Who knows? We might be on a double header for Gypsy King and Conor McGregor. Watch this space. Hey, that even rhymes, doesn't it? Double header, Gypsy King, Conor McGregor. <laughs> that would be awesome. If we could have a Conor McGregor main event co-headlined by the gypsy king at heavyweight um i mean that's doable especially in heavyweight you know there's not a lot of big time wrestlers at heavyweight so yeah that would be fucking awesome can you imagine throwing tyson fury (laughs) into heavyweight um that would be amazing for the ufc that would do huge huge numbers oh i would be so pumped for that so Hopefully that'll happen. That would be awesome. Obviously, he's he's scheduled to have that huge fight against Deontay Wilder if Wilder can get past, um, what's his name, Ortiz, Luis Ortiz. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, also, I just want to run through the UFC bantamweight rankings. Um, bantamweight is getting crazy. You've got Jose Aldo versus Marlon Marias. Um Uriah Faber making his return against Peter Peter Yan. Both of those fights are going to be on the UFC December card on the 14th. Um, I think they really need to make Dominic Cruz versus Frankie Edgar. That would be an awesome fight. And then, you know, you've got Henry Cejudo, who's just kind of waiting in the wings to see who's going to emerge. You've got Aljamain Sterling, who doesn't have a fight scheduled, is just kind of waiting there. Um, and then we've also got Cody Garbrandt, supposed to make his return in March, I believe. And then Sugar Sean O'Malley should be making his return too. So yeah, Bantamweight is getting crazy. I'm really looking forward to that. I think that'll be picking up here soon. Um, what else we got in main events or current events? Um, we'll talk more about an update on Conor McGregor next week. We'll see how this weekend plays out and, and what goes down. But I think you'll, you'll know a lot more about what Connor's going to do after we see this weekend play out. Um, other news, we had Mike Perry versus Jeff Neal. That's a big fight at 170. That's going to be added to that December 14th card. So that card is just silly, ridiculous. I'm really looking forward to that card. That's going to be fucking awesome. Um, Paulo Costa announced he's going to be out eight months with a bicep injury. We talked about that briefly. Um, but that kind of opens up the question for who's Adesanya going to fight next. Um, you know, a lot of people are leaning towards Yoel Romero. I think that's going to be a tough sell because Yoel's coming off two losses, albeit, I mean, they were controversial losses, but still they're losses. I, I think if Gastelum or, um, Darren Till make a big splash this weekend that they would jump Yoel for that title shot. Um, you've also got Jared Cannonier, who's just been looking unbelievable. So it'll be interesting. I, I think middleweight too. You'll you'll know a lot more after this weekend about what's going to happen and where they're going to go with it. But yeah, I'm um, super fucking pumped for this weekend. Um, I've really been looking forward to this fight. I hope everyone tunes in. This is going to be a great fight. Buy the pay per view, pay the money, bad motherfucker belt. It's going to be all kinds of enjoyment. So. Alrighty, I'll be back next week. I will recap this. Everyone wish me luck. I'm going to Colorado to go chase some big bull elks with my brother.
So I'm going to have a great weekend. I will definitely be watching the fights on Saturday night, chasing big bulls when I'm not watching fights. So everyone have a great weekend. I will catch you next week. Thanks for tuning in again. This is episode 11. We are moving along. Parker Keene's MMA show. Signing off. Thank you. La, 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 wait till I give my money right. I had a dream I could buy my way to heaven. When I awoke, I spent that on a necklace. I told God I'll be back in a second. Man, it's so hard not to act reckless. To whom much is given, much is tested. Get arrested, guess until he get the message. I feel the pressure under more scrutiny. And what I do, act more stupidly.